I'm getting far too used to these very late recordings of Straight Outta Clawing. Normally, I record episodes on either a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Nine times out of ten, it's a Wednesday. But this is the second week in a row where I'm recording on a Thursday. Blame that on working nights. I just, it's, it's very difficult, lads. <laughs> it is very, very difficult working nights. Uh, I've been off the last couple of days, but it's made me kind of realize that when you work nights, you completely lose track of what day it is. It's like when it's Christmas and th there's those few days afterwards where you just don't know um, what day it is. It's just, it's crazy. It is absolutely crazy. But anyway, with all that nonsense out of the way, welcome everybody to Straight Outta Cloyne with an episode that I have been planning on doing since I started the original Straight Outta Cloyne. Because this, of course, is Straight Outta Cloyne 2.0. I lost the first subscription. I hope I don't lose this one. This is an episode I've been wanting to do for a while. And honestly, it was an episode I struggled to do for such a long time. Mainly because this was a very, very interesting point in my life. This was a period of my life where I was really figuring myself out. And I'm actually intrigued to see how this goes. Like going back over some of these past memories from the year 2019 which was a very up and down year a very up and down year but I think an important year in terms of my growth as a human being there was a lot of uh, a lot of things happened during this uh, period of 12 months that we'll talk about on this episode I'm sure a lot of it will come up and without further ado I suppose we just get into it so as you can tell by the title of this episode, these are some stories about the time where I worked in door-to-door sales. Yes, I worked in this industry for the best part of 12 months, and that mightn't sound that interesting from, like, the beginning. It's like, okay, wow, you did a sales job for a year. But lads, it wasn't just me doing a job for one company. I worked for a total of three different door-to-door -door sales companies in the space of 12 months. And to say this was the most interesting part of my career in terms of, like, you know, normal work, not counting, like, wrestling or acting or anything like that. Like, this was just, this was mental. This was a mental time for me. And I really, really don't know where to begin with, like, with this episode. And this was a thing, like, this is why I kind of struggled to do this episode for a while. Because there are going to be some stories here that are quite hard for me to tell. Especially, there's one in particular that some people will already know about. That it's, oh god, I'm, I'm half dreading telling it. But I kind of have to tell it because it was such a interesting part of my life. But... I think the best way to start is just, yeah, let's just go straight into the first job I would have had in door-to-door -door sales. But let's explain a bit of the backstory as well. So, I obviously did an episode on here before talking about, you know, life in the workplace in general. And I would have mentioned on there that I worked in a factory in a, in a town that's very close to where I live. Where I didn't get on with a certain manager who I gave a code name that I ended up forgetting. And I ended up just using his real name. So you'll probably remember me talking about Pavel. 
in blank a mess. Fuck you, Pavel, if you're listening, you fucking piece of shit. I actually saw him quite recently as well. It was funny. I was walking um, around said town and I was going in to get a drink before I got the uh, train, or the bus, I should say, into the city. And I saw him across the road and I was like, Jesus Christ, he looks the exact same, but a lot older. <laughs> That's a very weird way of describing it, but I think I think people out there know what I mean. I'm. It's so annoying. I always record these after I have something to eat and there's something stuck in my tooth. There we go. Got it. I had pancakes for dinner. And, yeah. They always tend to get stuck in my teeth. Give me... Okay, no, I, need, I need... You know what? I'm going to brush my teeth before I finish the rest of this episode because I can already feel... I can already feel like this is going to distract me too much. Okay, I'm back. I apologize. Um, as everyone will know, I went to the dentist last week. I need a filling. I had to, It was supposed to be yesterday at the time of recording I was supposed to get that filling, but with work and stuff, I had to rearrange it and uh, I can actually feel exactly where I need it. So sometimes... There's a bit of, like, sometimes something gets stuck in my tooth and it's really annoying. And I normally brush my teeth after this whilst I'm editing, whilst things are processing. But it was distracting me too much, so, yeah. Anyways, enough about my teeth and enough about that dickhead Pavel. I left this factory, obviously, in not the best of circumstances. And it took me a little while to find another job, like, to be quite honest. I was actually on the social welfare for a little bit, which uh, was humbling, to say the least. And I ended up getting a job in a shop, um, just stacking shelves and stuff, which lasted all of a month because they never sorted out my tax. And I wasn't working this shit job for like like 25 hours a week, which was nothing, on like 20 quid a week. It was a disgrace. So I left that job and I left it kind of with nothing. I was just going to go back on the welfare for a bit before something came up. And I applied for a few other jobs and there was this interesting one caught my eye because it said earn up to 50 grand a year. And I went, what? 50 grand a year? Like, it didn't say that as like a basic, but it just said in this job you can earn up to this much. And I went, please explain, like, I need, okay, I'm going to apply and see what happens here. Now... The thing about door-to-door sales jobs is they will never say the words door-to-door sales. The official title for that role is field sales. So it will always be down as a field sales representative. And that's what this one was down as. And I didn't know that meant door-to-door sales. I had no idea. But um, I applied for this job. It said the basic wage, I think, was like 22 grand a year or something, which is okay. It was 21 or 22. So pretty much... Like, the bare minimum, but you could earn up to 50 grand. Like, five minutes after I applied, I got a phone call asking that I want to come in for an interview the next day. Now, I won't give away any names of any companies because I don't want to get sued, but this company uh, was, an ele- it was, it was an electricity company. Let me just say that. And I went in, had the interview, and everything seemed really good. Uh, it was here I realised, oh, okay, well, this is a door-to-door sales role. I remember Adam Pashiti from Cultaholic talking about doing a similar job like this. I think Michael Bisping talked about it as well um, many years later. I, you know, I heard Bisping talking about it. I just spat on my microphone. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. My apologies. Um, but, yeah, it was a very... It was a very interesting interview because it was like you were being sold this dream 
I remember the guy talking to me uh, in the interview being like, um, so why do you want to work for us? And I was explaining a bit about like my past, uh, you know, my past jobs. And I was like, oh, you know, this is something that, um, you know, it's, it seems like an interesting thing to do. I think I'm kind of ready to take the next step. And he was like, now you want to make some real money. Am I right? And like, they really sold the fuck out of the job. And I was like, fuck yeah, I want to make some real money. So pretty much from there, I was offered the job and I was like, wow, this is crazy. <laughs> like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, it's like the quickest I'd ever been offered a job in my life. Like, wow. Like, yeah, I was really happy. It was like, I don't have to go back on the welfare. I can start this job. So I think the interview was on like a Thursday and he was like, we'll start Monday. Went in on the Monday, met the team. And very quickly, right, I kind of realized this job has a lot of holes in it. So I'm not someone who is, I'm, I am a happy person, but I'm not someone who's just going to be happy for the sake of being happy. If I feel like shit, if I feel negative about something, I have no problem allowing myself to feel like that because that's life. You know what I mean? You're not going to be happy all the time. Anybody who says they're happy all the time is lying. Not just to me or to you, but they're lying to themselves. So this was one of the first things I realized about the job was that everyone here seems like kind of happy, but it seems like a fake happiness. And... It's funny now, you know, that I've done an acting course and, you know, obviously I'm involved in the world of pro wrestling where there's a lot of performance aspects. But um, we had to do something called pitch practice, which is essentially role play. Someone would play a customer that you, you know, or you know, a person that you've knocked on the door of. And they would be like, they'd be that customer and you'd have to try and sell them the product. Now, what I didn't like about this was, I'm as I said, I've not mentioned the name of any companies, so I feel like I can mention the first names of people. There was a guy here called Ian, and he'd always make me go first for these, you know, role plays. And he'd always try and play, like, the really fussy customer that, like, didn't want to, like, talk to you and all that. And I was like, like, because I shadowed him for a little bit, and I was like, Ian, like, you know... You you literally, I've seen you at the door. You don't talk to these people for more than five seconds if they're not interested and they're about to close the door on you. Well, you're, you're getting me here trying to win over, win you over in a fake situation. I didn't understand it. And we had, we had, like, we had to do this every day and it was just, I never felt like it was helping me. When I went out onto the field and I was talking to people, I felt like, okay, I actually kind of like this. I like the challenge of it. I like the different aspects of, um, you know, of, of trying to win people over. And I, there was a lot of things about it I liked, but there was just this kind of, the culture around the company I was working for was very toxic. There was people there, like I was 21 when I, well, I was just about to turn 21 when I started here. So there were people there that were like either the same age as me or a little bit younger who were there. And like, just the way their minds worked and the way they were kind of, I'll say it, they were kind of, um, what's the word? Oh my God, I'm after forgetting the bloody word. Not um, talked into it. Oh my God, what's the word I'm trying to think of? They were 
manipulated into thinking that the culture of this company was real. What I mean by that is the the progression in this company was unachievable. It was fake. It was, it was, you know, it was make-believe. It was a pyramid scheme. It was a lot of things, as you could tell. But, like, a pyramid scheme is probably the best way I can describe it. There wasn't really... You couldn't move up the ladder much there. And after doing this job for about three or four weeks, I was like, eh, like, the hours are kind of crap. The money isn't great. And, like, that, that whole thing of, oh, you can earn up to 50 grand. Yeah, but, like... I feel like a lot of other people are going to have to leave before that happens because that's the only way you can progress is if people leave. And I remember there was two or three people who left and they were instantly replaced by others who were already kind of shoehorned into that position. Like, it wasn't so much of like, oh, you're doing really well, you get to go in here. It's like, no, I like you, so you get to go in here instead. Um, so that, that was really crap. And I kind of went, I'm not really enjoying this. I like the job. I like the element of it. I think with another company with a better culture, I could do this job for at least a year or two, but that's kind of going to be it. So I started looking around at some other door-to-door sales jobs and applied for another one. And they very quickly got back to me. And I lied to my current employer at the time and said, I need these two days off because I have uh, dental appointments. Which is kind of ironic considering what I was talking about at the start of this episode. But I was talking about um, some... uh, Or that I needed some days off for dental appointments. Even though I was actually going to an interview on the Thursday. And to be honest with you, I just kind of fancied having the Friday off. So I just said, fuck it, can I have the Friday off as well. I just lied and said, oh, I'm just having another check up there and I won't be able to talk to people at the door because I'm getting something done to my teeth. And it was grand. I got a couple of days off and I had this interview with another electricity company who I explained my situation to. I met the manager whose name was Declan and he just, he won me over, but in a more human way. Like I could tell, okay, this guy kind of knows more about what's going on. Like he's a bit more... Um, in the know of like how humans work it's not robotic he's not selling me this unachievable dream he was honest he said look it's hard work um there are opportunities there that you can achieve but it might take you a while um but he was like look essentially the world's your oyster it's all about like the work you put in you'll see the rewards and he was honest he said look it might take a while it could take up to a couple of years like it's just it's just the way it is um and and that really spoke to me. I was like, okay, at least he's honest about it. Like, I feel like I'm being spoken to like a human now. I'm not like trying to be sold this very, you know, I don't even know what the word is. I was going to use an example that I can't use now because I want to use it later on for another job. But I, uh, yeah, I, I kind of, I felt like I was being spoken to more like a normal human being than someone who was a bit... I, I wasn't being spoke to like I was naive. I felt like in the first kind of interview and in, in, in the first job, I was being spoken to like I didn't really know that much. And listen, at 2021, you are still figuring yourself out. Of course you are. But I felt like I was being spoken to like someone who didn't really know what was going on. And they were trying to brainwash was the word I was trying to use earlier. There was a lot of people in that company who were brainwashed. Another thing, and this is why I can't really use the name of the company. 
but there was a guy who worked for this company who I actually went to school with. And listen, I was never his best friend. I always thought he was a bit of a pain in the hole. And I won't mention his name, but... Bloody hell, when I say he was bullied in this company, it was actually... It was actually quite sad to see. He used to get fucking ripped a new one. And the owner of this company, not the manager in the Cork office, but the owner of this company, once made it public knowledge in the group chat, because this company is all has places all across Ireland, he made it public knowledge that this guy's um, job was on the line. Which I thought was really unfair. Like, whatever about having a private conversation with him, but essentially he put in the group, if you don't get this amount of sales today, you're done. Like, that's it. You're out of here. And, like, I didn't like this guy, but... Even I thought that was a bit unfair. I thought it was really unfair, actually. So, this was all happening in the background. I knew that I was going to be leaving to go to this other company and had the interview that Thursday. Once again, I was told, yeah, um, you have the job. Uh, You'll actually be going up to Dublin the week after next to start your training for a couple of days. And that's that's it then. Then you're, uh, you're good to go. And I was like, oh. Great. Like, once again, I've got the job. Went in that Monday to the other job and handed in my notice. (laughs) Very stupidly told them that I was going to the other electricity company doing door-to-door sales. And I swear to God, I think I actually understand what it was like to be Luis Figo when he went from Barcelona to Real Madrid. Like, I was expecting a pig's head to be at my door when I came home. Uh, like, inside, I felt like, wow, this is like the Monday Night Wars. I'm, I'm going from WCW to WWF. Like, this is crazy. Um, but, like, that was that was in my head. But in, in their heads, as I said, it was very much Luis Figo going from Barcelona to Real Madrid. This was not received well at all. Which, not that I was expecting it to be received well. But I wasn't expecting it to be received as badly as it was. I was called a traitor. I was told I had spit in the face of the people who had trained me in the company. I was told that uh, I wasn't going to be getting commission off of the one sale I had made the week before, which I wouldn't have made commission off of anyway, because you had to get a certain amount of sales before you got commission, so it didn't really make sense. And I found out later on, from someone who worked in this company, that they had told everyone else working there, that they'd fired me. Which I thought was hilarious. That they were that upset that I was leaving to go to a rival that they told the other field sales reps that I'd been let go. And I didn't find out about this for another few months and I actually got on to the manager about that and I said, can you please explain to me why you told them I was fired? And he completely denied it and I went, no, like, I I know you did because I got on to a few people who worked there who were actually quite sound. And they were all like, yeah, that's what we were told, that they felt like you weren't suited enough for the job and that you were let go. And I was like, motherfuckers, you absolute fucking dickheads. Like, no, that's not on. Like, they could have just been asked and said he's leaving to go to another company, but, and they could have, like, they at least if they said that, it just went, oh, what a fucking dickhead. It's like, okay, whatever. But the fact that they said that, now, I, I know why they did it. It was because they wanted to make it sound like, you know, because if, if because sometimes when you're working door-to-door sales, you see other companies working as well. And you might get told 
or so you might see them like you know working and they they might tell like people like you know oh dylan's working for this company now and it might be like oh that company mightn't be that company isn't as good if, if they took on dylan when he got fired from our place so i was quite pissed off because i was like okay i understand if you were angry about me leaving but like telling people i got fired is a bit of a fucking stretch when you know damn well that didn't happen but anyway i digress um yeah I wish I had more stories about interesting customers that I would have spoke to in that job, but I wasn't really there long enough. I'll be honest with you, that last week when I knew I was leaving, I didn't really do much there. Um, there was one interesting story. Like, this will tell you how much they micromanaged you. I was working in an estate that was across the road from a shop, and I was bursting for a piss. And I had a tablet with me, like, to help, like, you know, track my way around and to sign people up. But um, I was absolutely bursting for a piss. So I ran over to the shop, bought a drink. And I was like, look, do you have a toilet in here? Because I don't really like going into a shop and just asking to use the toilet. I'm like, fuck it, as I'm here, I'll buy something. So at least then they might be a bit more generous. Um, So I bought a drink. They let me use the toilet. And as I left the toilet, I got a phone call from the manager. And he was like, where are you? I said, what do you mean, where am I? He's like, why did you leave your your field? I was like, "I, I didn't. I'm only across the road. I went to the toilet. He's like, oh, but just just ask uh, one of the customers to use one of their toilets. And I was like, but like I'm, I haven't spoke to anybody who wants to sign up yet. He's like, well, try harder. And I was just like, F-. now again, at this stage, I'd already gotten the interview for the other job. So I was like, fucking hell, like relax, like. But that's the culture they breed into you is like, get your sales or essentially go fucking kill yourself. It was really, really bizarre. But anyway, next uh, next thing, or one thing led to another, I should say, and I started the next job. And oh my God, lads, I, I think I actually already have mentioned the name of this company before on a previous episode, but uh, I won't hear just because there was a bit of up and down. There was a bit of an up and down time here as well with this company. But, uh, but this company was just, what a roller coaster. What a roller coaster. Met the manager, Declan, as I said. And had a great conversation or whatever. Then I met some of the most interesting people I've ever met in my life. So the team leader of this company's name was Liam. And I am convinced to this day that Liam is not a human being. He is a robot created by this electricity company to just to just do nothing but work. So we worked Monday to Friday. The official hours were 12 to 8, but bloody hell, you'd be lucky to get home before 12 o'clock a lot of the time. There was the option to go out and work on a Saturday if you wanted to, but nobody did, apart from Liam, who would have worked Christmas bloody day 24 hours if he could. Excuse me, if he could, but, you know, obviously he can't. (laughs) But if that option was there, he would happily take it. And he is just one of the most fascinating people I've ever met no social life not married never really been in many relationships from the sounds of it looked a lot like Dr. Evil and Mini-Me he also was just so immune to human emotion that it was really really fucking strange this is another reason I don't really want to mention the name of the company because 
he said a few things to people that I don't want people to get the wrong idea about Liam, but he said some things that were quite, it just goes to show that he thought about nothing else but work. I remember one time working the field um, or working a certain field and one of the people I was working with got a phone call to let them know that their grandmother had passed away. So obviously this person is distraught and he's, you know, he can't quite believe what's after happening. And I remember Liam said to him, oh, but do you want to go, do you want to go knock a few doors to try and get your mind off of it? And I was there like, you're, you've just told someone who's just lost their grandmother, do they want to go and knock on a few doors to try and sell this fucking electricity company? Because this is going to get their mind off of their grandmother passing away. I just thought he was a fascinating human being. If he even is a human being, because I'm start- I, I, I have my doubts. I'll be perfectly honest, I have my doubts about Liam being a human being. But, yeah, it, I just thought it was fucking mental. Absolutely mental that he, that he said that. So the fir- this is the first fascinating story I'm going to talk about someone who I met whilst knocking on their door. So with this company, I was flying when it came to my sales. Like, I'm not bragging, but I was doing really, really well. And there was one day where I was knocking on a door in Tipperary. And uh, Liam told me before I went to the store, uh, see number 10 over there, that house, that could be a sale. I, I remember I, I signed them up before, uh, but I know they switched. Um, they, they, should, they should sign up again. They'll be looking for a good deal. And I was like, oh, brilliant. Because as a team leader, he is supposed to tell you if there are these opportunities that he feels are available for people to you know go up and sign up a customer so i was like brilliant and i was i noticed oh number 10 the door is open so there is someone home i'll go up and i'll knock and i'll have a bit of a chat with them and oh my god to say that the this family was not exactly the most upper class family would be an understatement i'm not going to use the word that i would probably use when i'm not recording but they were a specific type of person who Liam had not signed up before. He had lied to me about that. And not only had he not signed this person up before, this house up before, he had been chased out of there with a knife by the same person who answered the door to me. Who went on this rant, calling me every name under the sun. And I was just in shock. I was like... What? What is... Like, if you don't want to sign up, fine. But, like, why are you so angry? And I actually just said to him, Sorry, can I ask why you're talking to me like that? And he's like, I don't fucking want you increasing my price. And then I was just... I just kind of forgot what I was doing. I was like, well, I'm hardly here to increase your fucking price. I'm actually here to give you a better fucking deal, you, du- you bloody dumbass. Like, why would I come here as a sales representative and say... I want to put you on a worse deal. Please let me come into your house and sign you up on a worse deal, you stupid fucking retard. And then, I, I yeah, I, I, I kind of lost track of what I was doing. And then he was like, I want to talk to your manager. And I went, fucking, well, here's his fucking number. Gave him a business card. I went, there's his number. Ring him and fucking tell him what happened. And then I walked away, like, fuming. 
couldn't believe this had happened. And I got a call from Declan a few seconds later. And I was like, oh, I'm probably in trouble now. And Declan was just talking to me like, he's an awful fucking prick, isn't he? Fucking don't mind him. And I was like, oh, thank God. And Declan was like, did Liam not tell you what happened with him before? And I was like, no. And this is where I found out about what happened to Liam. That he, this fella had chased Liam out with a knife. So I got fucking lucky. And Declan fucking snapped at Liam when he found out about what had happened um, that, uh, as, uh, after what he told me. Because I said to Declan, well, fucking Liam told me he signed him up before, but that he knows he switched companies to get a better deal and that he might be willing to sign up again to get another good deal. Because a lot of people do that. They, they switch electricity providers every year to get uh, a discount because um, you get a discount rate for a year. So that's kind of how electricity companies work. And when Declan found out about this, he got very upset with Liam saying, as a team leader, you have a duty of care to your customer, or to your uh, teams, I should say, or to your, yeah, to, the, to your team. And you shouldn't be putting him in situations like that, which could be deadly. Because, like, I could have got stabbed. I could have got murdered. Liam could have got fucking murdered. But again, he's not a human being. He's a robot. So what do you expect? But things were going really, really well with this company. There was another guy there who I'm not going to mention his name because I'm going to give him a nickname and I know I always forget these, but I'm going to call him Derek. And Derek was such an interesting character because he loved taking the piss out of everybody. Like there was another guy there, Paul, who was absolutely sound. A fellow borderline personality disorder sufferer. So we had something in common and the two of us used to just rip into each other. But like we knew it was all in good humor. Like we don't... All of us would take the piss out of each other because we knew, like, it was a laugh. Like, none of us took it personally. But Derek loved ripping into people, but bloody hell, he couldn't take it. He he could dish it out, but he couldn't take it. And it was funny because Derek had, um, he, he was deaf in one ear. So he had a bit of, <laughs> he had a bit of an interesting accent. And I remember Rachel, one of the girls I was working with, uh, was talking about Paul because... Paul said the reason he doesn't take the piss out of Derek is because Derek always get, acts like a little bitch over us. And we used to always mock Derek, uh, admittedly behind his back, <laughs> over his voicemail. His voicemail message was so funny. And we were talking about it one day and Derek was like, I just don't fucking understand. Like, why, why, why doesn't Paul take the piss out of me to my face? Like, it just, just makes no sense. And that is not me exaggerating. That is exactly what Derek sounded like. And Rachel said to him, the reason he doesn't take the piss out of you, Derek, to your face, is because you get all offended about it. And he's like, and he was like, I know, go on, fucking tell me, tell me what he says, like, I'd love to know what he fucking says. <laughs> and Rachel was like, well, do you know your voicemail? That he loves ripping into you over that, and he does an impression over you. And he was like, go on, what does he say, like? And Rachel just did a spot on impression of Derek, like... Hello, my name is Derek from the company I can't mention because I get sued. And I couldn't stop laughing. But in true Derek fashion, he got so fucking annoyed. And it's so annoying because I can't say the name of the company. And his lisp would have like really like exemplified how much funnier that was at the time when it happened. Because... All I'll say is he couldn't pronounce his R's and there's quite a lot of R's in that electricity company's name so work that one out for yourself. Uh, but it was so funny but Derek goes, oh fucking I don't sound like that but the fuck you want about? 
<laughs> and we couldn't fucking stop laughing. Oh my god, it was so funny. It was so fucking funny. But I met a few interesting characters um, whilst working for this particular company. Company number two, I'll call it. I remember knocking on a guy's door out in Watergrass Hill. And he opened the door in a panic. Like I thought, oh shit, something's after happening here. And he seemed a bit out of breath. And I thought, fucking hell, I've probably interrupted this guy in a work, like in the middle of a workout and God, I'm probably going to get the head roared off me now because he had no top on either. And whatever way I looked, I could see that his hands were quite, there was, there was some sort of liquid on them or what looked like a liquid. And then I could see there were some stains on his pants. And I think I'd interrupt I'd interrupted this man in the middle of pleasuring himself. But that begs a few questions. The first one. Why would you stop doing that to answer the door? Like what could have been so urgent that you needed to answer the door whilst performing a five knuckle shuffle? And secondly, how brave must you be to know that you've just climaxed? There is very clearly stains all over your clothes, or at least the clothes that you're wearing. Your hand is holding what potentially could have been your children if you had not performed this act. I, I don't get why he was so like, quick to answer the door. It just made no sense to me. Like, he just could have ignored me. It was so strange. And he will always forever stand out in my head as the most interesting customer I ever answered, or that ever answered the door to me. I had a few other ones. I had a guy get very confused, very, very confused when I was trying to... He was actually willing to sign up, and I was like, "Um, that's great. I was like, can I just, um, you know, get a few details off you or whatever? And I asked him for his date of birth. And he was like, go on, have a guess. And I was like, oh, fucking God, please don't do this to me. Because like, he wasn't old, but he wasn't young, if that makes sense. He was like, kind of middle-aged. But like, he looked, he looked older than certain people his age do. He's like, go on, have a guess. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I was like, here we go. And I went, oh, sure, you've probably just done your leaving cert, yeah? And he kind of half laughed or whatever. And I went, oh, I don't know, maybe, maybe 30, 31? And this man refused to sign up because I said he was 30 to 31 years old. This man was 48 and he was getting insulted because I thought he was in his 30s, his early 30s. And he was like, oi, oi, an old doll, tell me there a few weeks ago she thought I was in my mid-20s and I've there, you tell, are you there telling me that uh, I'm in my 30s, it's a fucking disgrace, boy. And, like, he was being deadly serious. And I was like, oh, sorry. Like, and I had to say to him, well, like, I mean, I still predicted that you were about 20 years younger than you actually are. And, like, it's at the end of the day, lad, like, you know, you're not that old. Like, you're, you know, you're late 40s. Still have a while to go yet. You know, I predicted an age you were nearly two decades ago. So you should be happy that you look 20 years younger. No, you didn't. I didn't actually think he looked, you know, 
I mean, I was I was kind of surprised he was that old. I thought, like, maybe he was 42, 43. I was surprised he was actually that close to 50. But, uh, yeah, he got very annoyed. But then he still signed up. But he just kept making a point on the phone. Because when you sign someone up, they had to talk to someone else on the phone just to confirm a few details. And uh, he kept making a point of me saying what age I thought he was. That was a very interesting one. Um, I had a very interesting moment with a girl at a door before who, oh my God, she was so hot. I'm not even going to like pretend like, I'm not even going to pretend that she was, you know, that, you know, that I wasn't like interested in it becoming something else. But there was a lot of flirting going on. And this was at a stage where I was in pretty good shape. I was pretty confident in myself at this stage. And I really, really wanted to get a few more like details from her, like for other reasons. But Morally, I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. I, I think I was, because I was quite new to the job at that stage, I was kind of afraid to, you know, in case this got back. And I was also, there was other people like knocking doors around me as well. So I didn't want it to get to that stage. But looking back, I probably should have. She was absolutely gorgeous. Oh my God. It was actually ridiculous. And listen, maybe I should have just taken my shot or whatever. Mightn't have gone to anything, but ah, now, now I'll never know. I think it annoys me, but look, it is what it is. Uh, so I worked for this company for about a, about two months, I think it was. Now, this is another story that I'm not going to get into because, or get into too deeply because it was a bit of an, yeah, a bit of a family issue. But there was another job came up that was suggested to me that I should take by a family member and a family member's friend. And I didn't want to take the job, but essentially the, the decision was made for me. And I couldn't... I couldn't stay in the door-to-door sales job anymore, which I was actually disappointed with because I was really enjoying it. I knew I didn't want to do door-to-door sales for the rest of my life, but I definitely wanted to do it for a bit longer and it was kind of taken out of my hands and it kind of became a whole big thing. But eventually this new job I got, I got sick of it. I just went, look, fuck it. I want to go back to this other company. I need to, um, I, you know, I, I need to go back to it, whatever. The, the job I was in, it was a garage. Mentally, it just set me back like, so much, it really, really just set me back, like, a hell of a lot, and, oh, it, it was just horrible, it was just absolutely horrible, so, yeah, that was that, I decided to go back to the other, or the last door-to-door sales job that I was in, and unfortunately, this time around, it didn't go so well, and there was a very, very bad omen to start with, and this is a story that I'm, it's going to be quite tough for me to tell because I honestly don't think I've ever experienced heartbreak like this in terms of, obviously I've had heartbreak in terms of like losing a family member or, you know, even recently like losing a pet, for example. Um, but this was like heartbreak in the sense that a girl really broke my heart and it took me a long time to get over it. So... There was this girl that I used to be very friendly with, and I'm not going to mention any names. Like, pretty much everybody listening to the show already knows who this is, but it's it's a crucial part of the door-to-door sales story. So my first day back at this door-to-door sales job, I was getting the train into the city, and this girl was on the train. Now, we'd had a little bit of an argument about three or four days beforehand. Like... 
it wasn't in my head at least it wasn't anything like major it was it was a small argument that admittedly i did get a bit annoyed over something that i still stand by and it's something that i still i still feel like i had a reason to be annoyed so i don't really regret that but it did cause a bit of tension there'd been a little bit of tension there for a while and this had probably added to it but i went over to her and i sat down with her and we just had what I thought was just a lovely, normal conversation. Like, the argument that we'd had came up very briefly. We hugged. Like, we cleared all the air, and that was... And that was it. Everything else just had with a nice, like, lovely, normal conversation. Uh, I, remember, I remember thinking afterwards, because she got off the train before I did. She got off, in, like, two stops before I did. And I remember sitting there going, Jesus Christ, that was really nice. Like, I feel like it's been a long time since me and Name Redacted just had a nice, normal conversation. And I remember I felt I felt so good. I felt, like, really good within myself. And I was like, Jesus, okay, I've cleared the air with her. I'm going to this job that I absolutely loved, like, returning to this job that I absolutely loved and had such a great time with. And, yeah, Jesus, life is actually going quite well. Like, this is all great. And two hours after that train journey, I had a big long text from that girl who essentially said she didn't really want to talk anymore. That she wanted us to keep kind of, you know, our distance from each other. Um, that things just weren't working out. And I it, honestly, I don't think I've ever felt like such like, such I've never gone from such a high to such a low in such a short amount of time. Um, it's funny that I say that because as I said that I knocked my microphone, that this the cover of my microphone from its height right down to as low as it can get. So that was kind of ironic. And bloody hell, like I when I say like heartbreak, like this is me peeling back the curtain a bit. I when I came back from that shift, I went to a pub. Because there was no taxis available. So I said, fuck it, I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go to the pub. Fuck it, why not? And when I say, like, I drowned my sorrows. Ooh, it was bad. It was bad. I went back to a house party. Drowned my sorrows even more. Went into work the next day. Completely hungover. Just feeling like absolute shit. Like, just complete and utter shit. It was horrible. And... Had to try and put on the brave face. You know had to talk to people at their doors and of all fucking places I had to be knocking doors it was in a specific area where I spent a lot of time with this girl uh, an area that I ended up going back to do a specific college course so I think you can kind of work out where this was and it was just like everywhere I went was a memory everywhere I went was just a memory with that girl and it was oh my god it was it was horrible it, I was, it was torture it was mental torture. And it's not the company's fault. Like, they weren't to know this. I didn't really tell any of them about what happened. But, uh... It was just... It was just crazy. I, I, like, it, looking back, like, it's all, like... It was almost like an out-of-body experience now looking back. But it was just horrible. But I remember I came home that day. And I just sobbed. I just absolutely sobbed my fucking heart out. I've never cried that much over a girl. It was just... 
I can't actually describe how strenuous it was. I just couldn't believe because we'd had one kind of falling out before and we had this kind of spectacular moment where we made up and it was all great and everything kind of went well for a while but then it kind of slowly started going downhill again and it was just the elation from going wow we just had a nice normal conversation and we got to clear the air whatever issues we had before to oh we've fallen out again and this time it seems pretty final and it pretty much was we kind of made up again for a bit but uh, it just wasn't meant to be um but oh it was just horrible and i never quite got going in this company again it, it just i could just never i think i always just associated it with that day and i was just like ah look i think this was this was me trying to recapture something that's just not there anymore uh, I worked for the company again for another few months and everything kind of came to a head. We had, it was a very interesting moment. So the company had um, these tablets that they couldn't like track your movements. You have to like put in where you were yourself, unlike the other company, which, you know, would get stuck and you're going to the toilet in the shop instead of, you know, bursting into someone's house. And, you know, yeah, anyway, whatever. But, um they brought in this app where you know you could mark off the doors that you'd done or ones you had to call back to or whatever but the problem was the app didn't fucking work it just there was a lot of issues with it like grand there was going to be teething issues with with new technology i understand that but the app just simply didn't work and in this company we got a lunch allowance which was not taxed which is great and I was trying to work this app for ages and it just wouldn't fucking work. And I just went, oh, look, I know they're promoting the fuck out of this app. I know they really want us to use it, but like it is interfering with my day. It's completely interfering with my day. It's not working. I can't use it. I'm just not going to use it for the day. And I had, I didn't have any sales at that point. When I stopped using the app, I went off and I got three sales and I was delighted. Another guy who I was working with that day used the app the whole day, didn't get any sales. And... Still, the next day, I was the one being told I wasn't being paid my lunch allowance because I didn't use the app, even though I got three sales. And I asked about, I think Josh was that guy's name. I can't even remember. I think it was Josh. I was like, well, Josh didn't get any sales. What? What's his story? And I was told, oh, well, like, he used the app. And I was like, oh, okay. So if I use the app and I get no fucking sales, I get my lunch allowance. But if I don't use the broken app and get three sales, I get punished. Explain that one to me. And I decided there and then that I was quitting. And it's funny because that area where I quit was actually um, where I would... It was very near where I would end up performing four theatre shows in a row for CSN. So it's just crazy how life kind of works out that way. But I, um, I walked off the field and... Didn't really know what my next step was until I met... Uh, a guy who I used to go to school with, a different guy I used to go to school with, who was working for this uh, door-to-door sales company. And again, it was kind of like, look, I do like this job. It's It wasn't really like what, I knew I kind of didn't want to do door-to-door sales anymore, but I said, look, fuck it. We're at the end of the year now. It could be, you know, it, it, it can it can it can get me over until after christmas and i can leave then and whatnot it was just a way to kind of get it it was a way of getting a job quickly whilst i could look for something else but this wasn't an electricity company this was a company that worked with charities and 
to say this company watched The Wolf of Wall Street one too many times would be an understatement because it was mayhem in there. It was absolute mayhem. The drug culture there was through the fucking roof. There was a bit of that pyramid scheme mentality, but this time I kind of called it out a bit more because I didn't really care that much. Uh, There was people there who went there as addicts in recovery who ended up relapsing because of people working there. It was just horrendous. It was absolutely fucking horrendous. However, it is one of the most fond times I can look back on in door-to-door sales because there was so much mayhem. This was all topped off by the fact that the staff party for this company was in Croke Park, the national stadium for GAA here in Ireland. I'm not a big GAA fan, but Croke Park is a very historic stadium. Personally, I prefer the Aviva Stadium, but listen, Croke Park is still amazing. Um, the fact that I can say I had a staff party there is crazy in the in the lounge. And, uh, yeah, it was mental. But, like, another mental thing about that job was when I kind of knew I was coming towards the end in that job, I was kind of applying for a few other jobs here and there. And I knocked on a guy's door one day and he was like, look, I work in sales myself. There's nothing you can say to me that's going to that's gonna make me change over. And I was like, oh, really? And I, like, I kept chancing my arm and he wasn't giving up. And he said to me, look... You actually sound like you're well able for this stuff and like you've you've taken every rejection I've given you and you've tried to turn it into a positive and you've tried talking me around. He was like, I'm not going to sign up for your product, but I work for a company who are looking for people to start in January. This was in uh, late November, early December. And he was like, I think you'd be a great fit. And I was like, really? He went, yep. Yeah. He's like, it's Monday to Friday, 8 to 5. I have my card here I can give to you. Just send me on a CV tonight to that email. And I'll set you up with an interview and you'll be able to start in January. And there is how I, that was my breakthrough in sales. It got me out of door-to-door sales. It got me into a nice cushy office. And that was such a crazy moment that I nearly, so essentially I nearly didn't go in that day because I just wasn't feeling great mentally. But imagine if I hadn't gone in that day, I never would have gotten that offer. It was crazy. So I took, I took the offer Ended up getting that new job and that was the end of my door-to-door sales experience. I feel like I've only like scratched the surface with that. With with all those stories about door-to-door sales. Really like the stories with the customers aren't actually like that amazing. If that makes sense. Um, It's more the people you work with. It's more the experience of going to all these different towns and villages and working with people who are quite tapped. And I I include myself in that. Working for, like, basic fucking minimum wage with this brass ring of opportunity to make as much money as you can, which pretty much nobody achieves unless you're a robot like Liam. For it all to end with me knocking on someone's door and being offered a job, which I ended up staying in for about a year. It's mental. It's absolutely fucking mental. And I still can't quite believe the journey I went on. Something else that I kind of forgot to talk about was... um, I met these guys before who were doing door-to-door sales around... uh, I'll say the name of the place. Middleton. They did it all over the place. But one of the places they did it was Middleton. And uh, they did it for what they called suicide prevention. 
but they didn't pay a basic wage, even though they lied to everyone they hired and said they did. They didn't always tell the truth at the door. They would make up these really weird stories about how people killed themselves. Uh, they didn't sign people up to anything. They took cash in hand. And one guy told me that the owner of this place had been arrested on suspicion of fraud. And that actually a few people there got arrested. So that was a very interesting story. They tried getting on to me a few times, actually. And, you know, to try and get me back working with them. But that was never going to happen. But yeah. That's kind of my time in door-to-door sales in a nutshell. Um, the funny thing is, to this day, I still get offers uh, from door-to-door sales companies to go working for them. And I hope they listen to this episode. Because it's not happening. I'd rather be on the dole again than work door-to-door sales. That's, that, that's how much I don't want to go back to it. I'm really glad I did it. It was a hell of an experience. I learned a lot about myself. I... Grew an awful lot as a person. I got to meet some very interesting people. It really set me on the path to where I am now. I I, I firmly do believe that. But never again will I ever do that job. It's just... It's... It's... Uh, yeah. It's... It's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy, as you can tell. And there it is. That is the door-to-door sales episode. It's been... It's been promised for a while. I hope it lived up to the hype, even though it probably didn't. As I say, I'd love to tell stories about, like, you know, different people at, at the door or whatever. But, like, it, it was pretty standard. All the, all the stories I told there were, you know, the, the stories I told about people I met at the door. They were the most interesting people I met. Everyone else, to be honest with you, was a bit of a dry shite. I did talk to one guy as well before who uh, we were doing this campaign for people in, Ga- in Gaza uh, who are struggling to, like, make ends meet because they're a very poor country. And one guy got very confused, who was a bit senile, and thought that Paul Gascoigne, the footballer, Gaza, needed help via door-to-door sales to get people to sign up to, you know, help him out a bit, which was kind of funny. But that will do it, lads. Uh, It is now half eleven, so I need to get editing this episode to make sure it's up uh, at a suitable time so that people can listen to it in the morning. And as per usual, I will leave you with a wrestling promo and I will talk to you all next week where hopefully we might have a guest on. But leave that with me. Anyways, enjoy the wrestling promo. Talk to you all later. And the Rock hammered earlier by the Big Show. and Big Show! The Rock says, seeing as that jabroni you call a partner, The Undertaker is booked tonight for a match. That pretty much leaves you free. So The Rock says, if you've got any fortitude in them little bitty things you call balls. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Very personal here. That's what this is about. Then tonight, in front of all The Rock's fans, you will go one-on-one on one with the great one. Laying down a challenge to the big show tonight. And go on and check your big fat ass directly into the SmackDown Hotel. Big show's gonna need a big king size bed, isn't he? No, wait a minute. Hey, wait a minute. Is that Millennium Clock. It's, it's the Millennium Jack. 10, 9, 2, oh, down. 
the World Wrestling Federation. Now for those of you who don't know me, I am Chris Jericho, your, your new hero, your party host, and most importantly, the most charismatic showman to ever enter your living rooms via a television screen. And for those of you who do know me, well, all hail the Ayatollah of Rock and Roller! Got a nice haircut, I can say that! Now when you think of the new millennium, you think of an event so gigantic that it changes the course of history. You think of a dawning of a new era. In this case, the dawning of a new era in the WWF. Rock is not impressed. Thank you. Thank you. Jericho's got a lot and of a new guts. era is what this once proud and profitable company sorely needs. What was once a captivating, trend-setting program has now deteriorated into a cliched, let's be honest, boring snooze fest that is in dire need of a knight in shining armor. Oh, he's talking about you and now, that's JR. why I'm here. Chris Jericho has come to save the WWF. Oh, from what? Well, you're gonna get your pink slip. Now let's go over the facts. Television ratings, downward spiral. Who's he Pay-per-view buy rates, plummeting. Mainstream acceptance, non-existent. And reactions of the live crowds, complete and utter silence. And I know why you're silent. You're silent because you're embarrassed to be here. What? And quite honestly, I'm embarrassed for you. And the reason why you're embarrassed is because of the steady stream of uninteresting, untalented, mediocre sports entertainers who you're forced to cheer for and care for. No wonder you're not cheering. You can care less about every single idiot in that dressing room. And especially this idiot in the center of the ring. A rock is going to explode, King, any minute. You people have been led to believe that mediocrity is excellence. Uh-uh. Jericho is excellence. He's got a lot of guts to interrupt the rock. And now, for the first time in WWF history, you have a man who can entertain you. You have a man who is good enough for you. You have a man who can make you jump up off your chairs, raise your filthy fat little hands in the air, and scream, go Jericho, go! Go Jericho, go! Go Jericho, go! Thank you. The new millennium has arrived in the WWF. And now that the Y2J problem is here, this company, from the front office idiots to all the amateurs in the dressing room, including this one. To everybody watching tonight, 
will never ever be the same again. Y2J, did he say Y2J? Yeah, I heard him. Look, The Rock is dumbfounded. He's an arrogant young man. <laughs> Uh-oh. After three boring minutes, The Rock says, know your role and shut your mouth! I second that. How dare you, little jabroni, come on The Rock Show and not even have the class to introduce yourself? What is your name? I told you! It doesn't matter what your name is! Oh, no! He got you. That way. The Rock says you talk about your Y2J plan. Well, The Rock has a little plan of his own, and it's called the KY Jelly Plan. Oh, no! Which... <laughs> you know what that is, JR? Yeah. You do? You don't clean... You don't use it to clean pipe, JR. Which means The Rock is gonna lube his size 13 boot real good, turn that some bitch sideways, oh. and stick it straight up! You can't do that! He's percolating! He's cooking! He's hot! 